Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Father, I thank you. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, guys. Whew. I'm excited. How many of you are excited to be in a new place? This is awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I just want to give a round of applause. If you helped in any way, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are even more important than even Pastor Rowan, we think. Thank you for the volunteers. Thank you. Can we give them a round of applause? It's super important um, to acknowledge our volunteers. Um, when I first came in, you know, I saw these signs. I saw this big building, then I came in here, I saw everything nice and organized and set up, and I was like, man, we came a long way from that living room. Um, wow. I, I remember when, we first, when, when, when I was with Pastor Roy, we used to get to that living room, right? The, the difficult part was finding parking, of course, right? Brooklyn, crazy. Um, but, but, but once we got there, like, we would have all of these people in one little room, and sometimes it was the summer like this. Because I remember sweating, like I do remember that. Um, so, so it would be crazy, but, but look what the Lord has done and look what the Lord is doing. Amen. Come on, y'all could do better than that. Like, wow, some excitement. I'm praying. I'm praying that it gets better as we go along. Faces of grace, faces of grace. What a, what a powerful, powerful um, idea, right? I'm, I, I, how many of you like playing board games? What's your favorite board game of all time? Can I get some part? Chess? You're just trying to tell everybody you're smarter than everybody else. Another game that isn't chess. Monopoly. She likes taking people's money. What else? Scrabble. You're also saying that you're very smart. The game of life. That one was easy. That was kind of fun. Checker. I like checkers. Checkers is for us normal people. Um, what else? What? I don't even know what that is, but that's, that sounds good. That sounds good. Wow, connect for can You play Candyland, bro? All right, we got a special prayer after the service. I'll be waiting for you. Um, how many of you remember Guess Who? Okay, good. So then this example will make sense. Like, like with Guess Who, it was like this game where you actually had to play with somebody else. Right, it's not like games today that you ask the kid, what are you doing? Oh, I'm playing against Johnny. Who's Johnny? Some kid from New Zealand. Like, you're not playing with that person. They're not even in the same room. That doesn't count, right? So, so back in our day, or, or back in Pastor Rose days, like, you had to play on an, you had to actually be physically with the person in order to play the game. And guess who was one of those games that the board was kind of like this, and I don't want to drop this phone, but I'll drop that instead. The, the board was kind of like this, and, and you had your set of faces here, and the other person had their set of faces here. And you had to go back and forth trying to assume you knew the face of the other person. Or, 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 and you had to guess by eliminating the options, right? Eliminating options. So it's like, you know, I, if, if I was playing because, you know, I have less hair than most of y'all, you know, I would have been like, are you bald? Right? And, and usually if the other person said, no, I'm not bald, then you took out all the bald people, right? So then the other person will be over here, you know, and he'll be like, you know, are you fat? 
or, you know, extra plump, whatever you want to say. You know, and, and they would be like, yes, I am. So then you would take out all the skinny people like me. You would take all of those people out. And then you kept going back and forth, back and forth, until you were able to guess the person that the other person had, if you were good. If you were like me, that you missed certain um, details, you'd probably still lose. You'd get through the whole thing, but you'd probably still lose. Right? Now, if we, talk, if we played a game of guess who, grace style, what would be some of our questions? And, and, and that's kind of where I want to go today. If we were playing a game of guess who, you know, w- would you be saved if, would you be saved if, uh, you know, did, did grace touch you because of this or because of that? What would our responses be? And, and before I get into that, I just want to share some stuff. And, and it's quotes from different books. I like sharing quotes from books because it gives you some books that you can possibly purchase and grow in your revelation. And the first one, it says, every revival has had a revelation of God's grace. In other words, if we're preaching grace... In Christ's uncensored house of worship in Staten Island, it might just mean that God is on the verge of giving us a revival. It might just mean that God is on the verge of giving us the city. You know, sometimes we think way too limited, you know, and we're happy. We're like, let's fill this up. But why not fill this up and fill the top up and have to have extra services until we need our own building? Right? Like, why limit God when God is so amazing and so great? If he took us out of a living room and put us into a school, he can take us out of a school and put us into our own building. How many can say amen? Another one I like is, grace is Christianity's best gift to the world. A spiritual nova in our midst exerting a force stronger than vengeance, stronger than racism, stronger than hate. There's anything we need with all this craziness going on is the grace of God. What the world needs to understand is the grace of God. The law is not going to bring what this world needs. Religion is not going to bring what this world needs. Because the God honest truth is that spiritual pride is even worse than the hate crimes that we got going on. Because we'll try to determine who can be saved and who can't be saved the same way the cops determine who should live and who should die. Yes. But, 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 but it's the same kind of thing that goes on, but it goes on in churches. Another quote that I have is from Joseph Prince. Grace is only grace when it is undeserved, unearned, and unmerited. If you deserve to be saved... You're probably not. You, you've probably convinced yourself that you're good enough. And the truth is, when it comes to God, none of us are good enough. We all need the grace of God. I mean, I might need it more than you, and it's probably only because I admit that I need it more than you, but we all need grace. Look at the person next to you and, and tell them, you look like you need some grace. See, you need grace. Amen. He dropped the phone, and it's an iPhone. He definitely needs grace. Another one is from Andrew Farley, and he says, Grace isn't a treatment for sin. It's actually the cure for sin. It isn't a treatment. It isn't something that that you grab onto just when you need it. No. Grace is what we need pumping through our veins in order for us to stay alive. 
Grace isn't only what saves you, grace is what keeps you. Did I say that again? Grace isn't only what saves you, grace is also what keeps you. Amen. So every morning I wake up, what I try to do now is, is I come before the presence of God and I'm like, Lord, thank you for giving me breath. Lord, thank you for letting me opening up my eyes. Lord, I'm going to need you today. I can't live right unless it's by your grace today. You know, there's going to be some people that are going to get me mad. I need your grace for those people. There's going to be some people that might judge me. I need your grace for those people. I need the grace of God in order to succeed. Amen. And the last one is grace is unconditional acceptance given to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. That is loaded. Loaded. So loaded, I'm going to say it again. Grace is unconditional. Say that with me, unconditional. Have any of you ever been loved unconditionally? You have? You're blessed. I, I was by my grandma, but my grandma isn't here no more. But all of us crave something additional. It says grace is unconditional acceptance given to an undeserving person. How many undeserving pers- people do we have here? Let me see some hands. Okay, we, we have a few honest people. The rest of y'all, y'all could come in for prayer with the Candyland player. <laughs> to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. In other words, God didn't have to, but he did anyway. He didn't have to save us, how he saved us, when he saved us, but he did it anyway. Amen. When, when I think about my salvation and the fact that I was saved because somebody gave me a Bible in a hospital. That's how my salvation came. It wasn't by a service. It wasn't that I went to a preaching. It wasn't that I went to a revival. Somebody gave me a Bible in the hospital. And for two years, every night that I got home, even if I was high or drunk, I would read that Bible. That's grace. That's grace. Nobody preaching to me and I'm still That's grace. All of us here were saved by grace. Look at the person next to you and say, you got the face of a person that was saved by grace. So, so we're playing this game of guess who. We're trying to recognize the faces of someone that was touched by grace. What kind of questions would we ask? And I kind of made up my own. You know, would we ask, did you earn being saved? Did you earn it? Did you deserve it? What would the answer be? What would the answer be? No. So all of a sudden you're knocking down faces. Boom, boom, boom. Are you, are you saved because you're wise and you're powerful? You're just so smart. No. So you're knocking those down. Are you saved because you dress like a Christian? No. I, ha- I had a blazer in the car and I was like, I'm not putting this on. It's way too hot. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for Christ Uncensored, that we don't have to mess around with that. Right? But, but we're not saved because of what we wear. Another, you know, are you a good person? Some people might convince themselves that they are. But all of us have a little bit of nasty in us. Some more than others. Right? Um, are you a rule keeper? Are you just really good at keeping rules? How many of you are really good at keeping rules? I'm horrible. Like, I'll make my own list or an agenda for the day. I heard you preaching about it one time, and I break all of them. Like, the very first one. Any of you ever break the first one, so then you're like, I'll oh, forget about the rest of them. I already messed up the order. That, that's me. That's just me. Right? You preached about procrastinator. Like, if you're the king, I'm the prince. 
Like, I, I'm just not good with it. I'm not good with this. Number six, are you perfect and you never make mistakes? Mm. How about this one? Do you have an untainted past? You've been so good that you've done nothing in your past. So you, you've convinced yourself you deserve the grace of God. See, some of us convince ourselves that we are that good. We've never done anything in the past. But it's not that you didn't do anything in the past. It's just that you never got caught. That's two very different things. Right? And sometimes we're like, you know, no one saw me. No one knows I did it. So I ain't do it. But before God, God who sees everything, you did it. So, so none of us are, you know, we would be knocking down all these faces on the guess who game. And at the end, the only face you would find, the only face in that whole game you would find is a sinner. An imperfect sinner. An ex-enemy of God. An enemy of, of, of what is good. You would find that person that was simply saved by grace through faith. And all of our faces would be on that one little chip. Everyone in this room would be on that last remaining piece. The, the piece that says this is a person that understands that if it had not been for the mercy of God, where would we be? This is a person that understands that if it had not been for God's grace, we would be so worse off than we are right now. Because no matter how bad things may be, if it were not for the grace of God, they could be so much worse. So much worse. So, so when I think about this guess who game, or, or I think about faces of grace, there's people in scripture that their name is never mentioned. How many of you are nosy like me? I'm like, I want to create a name if there is no name. Like, I'm that guy. I want a book somewhere or, or some website that I can find who the woman of Samaria really was. Because it doesn't say her name. But if... Excuse me, if we was to see the woman from Samaria, I guarantee you, we would know who she was. We would know who she was. We would know the woman of Samaria. How about the centurion servant who never physically saw Jesus? Jesus just said a word and he was healed. Can you imagine laying in your bed? You're about to die. They told you that your boss is going to see the surgeon of surgeons and he, he's taking his time coming back. But all of a sudden, you feel something jolt through your body, and you get up, and you're fine like if nothing ever happened. You don't know why until your boss comes back and says, somebody prayed for you. We don't know his name, but we would know him by his face. How, how about the blind man by the pool of Bethesda? No name. It just says there was a blind man by the pool. Would we know him? If we saw him. Number one, we would know him because he was no longer blind. This man was now seeing. That, that alone is a miracle. So here we have this blind man who's now seeing. So if I looked at his face, if I looked at the face of a blind man that now was able to see, I would know that he was touched by grace. I would know that. How about the widow's son? He's, he's, he's embalmed. His mom is crying up a storm. He's as dead as dead could be. She didn't even come to Jesus and say, Jesus, heal my son. She didn't have the power to do that. She didn't have the faith to do that. 
Is there anybody in here that what you want from God, you feel you're not going to get it because you don't have the faith to get it? Well, this woman didn't even ask Jesus to hear her dead son. All she was doing was crying. But even when you cry in the presence of our almighty God, even when you shed tears before God with no words, he has compassion on you. And the Bible says that he had compassion. He went and touched him and he was healed and he rose from the dead. We don't know the kid's name, but if we saw him, we would sure know who had touched him. Oh, there's another person, and that's the one we're going to talk about today. And if we go to Mark chapter 5, it says, they came to the other side of the sea. And I want to pause it right there. They came. See, because this is the thing about grace. Grace doesn't wait for you to come. Grace comes to you. Because in our own ability, we don't want to come to God. In our own ability, we don't really want to give God what God wants. But God in his mercy, he comes to us. He steps into our world, even though we, don't, we haven't even invited him into our world. And his love just steps in and he says, there's something I want to do for you. That's grace. It says that they came to the other side of the sea. The Bible says that God loved us when we were enemies. The Bible says that he was chasing after us when all we were giving him was our back. So, so when we talk about the faces of grace, we're getting into talking about this man. This man was completely of opposite of where God was. Is there anyone here that knows what I'm talking about? That when Jesus reached your life, you was as far from God as you could possibly be and you was okay with it? See, because people are like, no, I came to Jesus because I was so broken. I was chilling. I was enjoying my sin. Can, can I be real? I was okay. Like, I wasn't looking for God. I was good. I was making my money. I was doing my stuff. No details needed. Like, I was chilling. But then grace came. And, and when Jesus started revealing himself to me, I was like, wow, this is what drugs hasn't been able to provide for me this is what the streets have not been able to provide for me everything that i've always sought whether it be woman drugs alcohol chilling the block parties whatever it might be only one man is able to give me all of this i want some of him i want some of this guy named jesus so i kept reading and i keep looking but the truth is that jesus came to me because i didn't have the ability to come to him so if there's someone in here that you've been coming to Kuha, you've been coming just as a favor you, because you don't want the seats to be as empty. So you've just been coming because Pastor Rose cool with you. You don't have anything within you that wants to serve God. Well, being real with yourself is the first step to getting the breakthrough that you've been praying for. Because when you say, Lord, I'm weak, then he says, then let my strength overcome your weakness. When you say, but I'm too sick, then Jesus says, then let me be your healer. If you say, but I'm too broken, he says, well, I'm near to the brokenhearted. So just admit where you are are because he's already there he's already there so so it says that they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the gasserines and when jesus had stepped out of the boat immediately they there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit other translation says a demon possessed man 
See, nowadays, unfortunately, we see a little bit of this. But back in the day, man, you would step in some churches and, like, there were rows of people demon-possessed. I went to preach in Puerto Rico one time, and people were running to run off of a cliff. And the ushers would catch them before they jumped off the cliff and drag them to the front so that they can be set free from the powers that were possessing them. See, and I grew up experiencing this power to the point where now I'm not satisfied with just preaching. I want to see the power of God demonstrated. I want to see people healed. I wanted to see people lifted. I wanted to see, I want to see the blind healed. I want to be that preacher that people say God uses him to heal people with AIDS. I believe that he can do it and I'm waiting for him to do it. You should be waiting too. So, so when I read this and it says that this man had an unclean spirit and then I see that Jesus came to him. In other words, I don't care how dirty your sins make you feel. Jesus isn't intimidated by your dirt. Jesus isn't intimidated by the things that are holding you captive. Jesus isn't waiting for you to raise up your hand. Jesus isn't waiting for you to know all the songs. Jesus isn't waiting for you to get your membership card. Jesus comes to you where you are as long as you're willing to have a face-to-face with. And, and, and we keep reading, we keep reading. It says, he lived among the tombs. This man with no name lived in a dead place. Who knows something like this? Living in a dead place. What, what living in a dead place would be equivalent to is it's you wake up Monday, you make it through the week, and you go to sleep Sunday, and there's no excitement to you. There's no purpose to your life. There's nothing driving you in your life. Why? Because you're just in a dead place. You've had bad relationships, so you don't want a new relationship. You're stuck in a dead place. You've gotten hurt in the past, so you don't, you're not going to give anybody the chance to hurt you again. You're stuck in a dead place. We're in a dead place. You were married. Now you, now you promised you're never going to let a man do that to you again. Every single man that encounters you is going to pay for that one man, for what that one man did to you. You're in a dead place. I'm never going to fully commit to any church, any pastor. All those pastors want is money. Stuck in a dead place. I know what it is to be in a dead place. When, when certain things happened in my life, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give just enough. But I was still in a dead place. A dead place is a place where nothing lives. Nothing lives. You have little spurts of excitement, but it fizzles out just as quickly as it starts. A dead place. This man without a name that was demon-possessed with an unclean spirit was living in a dead place. And then look what it says. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. And somebody's calling. He wrenched the chains apart and he broke shackles and chains. But he wrenched. Wow, I was going to say it again. That phone messed me up. No one had the strength. To subdue him. Say no one. This is the thing about grace. Is that there's things that people cannot give you. Because they're not equipped to give you. Because they're hurt just as much as you. They're broken as much as you are. 
they're hurting as much as you are. And we want to have them come into our lives and be our Savior. And when they don't match what we're expecting, we cast them aside just like everybody else. Why? Because I'm in a dead place. I'm in a dead place. I don't know how to, how to appreciate others when I'm in a dead place. I don't know how to appreciate someone with life when I'm in a dead place. So this man was in a dead place and no one could give him what he needed. Is there anyone here this afternoon that you've been looking for love in all the wrong places? Is there anyone here this afternoon you've been looking for help in all the wrong places? You've been giving your heart, lending your heart to different people and everyone takes a turn at stabbing it. Why? Because it's no one's responsibility to do for you what only God can do for you. Some of us are expecting way too much in our spouses. They weren't meant to take the place of God. So let them be our wife. Let them be our wives. Let them be our helpmate. Let them be the person that God wants them to be. Stop demanding more from them. But sometimes we demand more from people because we're, we're, we, we, we stink at accepting from God. When we're bad at accepting what God wants to give because we feel like we have to earn everything, what ends up happening is we demand it from other people. We're demanding it from people when God is offering it for free. And this is the thing with grace. Grace comes and he offers you everything you could ever need. But our humanity and our religious mindset says, no, I got to deserve it. And what ends up happening is we push God's answers away because I'm in a dead place. Somebody say a dead place. Look what it says. We keep reading. It says, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. <laughs> wow. He was crying out and cutting himself with stones. See, whenever I see stones in Scripture, I think of the law. Because the law was written on stones. And what the Bible says here is that he was cutting himself with stones. See, because this is what happens when we're in a dead place. That when we're in a dead place, even when grace is knocking at our door, even when grace is trying to storm in and give us the answer that we need, when we have a religious mindset, we cut ourselves with his word. The same word that's meant to heal us, we find a way to use it to cut us. And then we begin saying, no, I don't deserve God's grace. Why? Because I sinned one of the Ten Commandments. I don't deserve God's grace. Why? Because I haven't been perfect all of my life. And what you're doing is you're cutting yourself with stones. You're cutting yourself because that's all the stones. Have. The stones or the law only has the ability to cut you. Because that's what it was created to do. The Bible says that the law is written for the transgressor. The Bible says that the law only reveals sin but has no power to redeem from it. So whenever I come to the law to try to redeem myself and make myself better, I end up cutting myself. I'm bleeding all over the place, just bleeding, bleeding, because I'm cutting myself with the law. Cutting myself. I'm guilty because I'm cutting myself with the law. I'm hurting myself with the law. 
Because all the law does is reveal sin. Why are your sins always before you? Because you're still living on the mountain with Moses, chilling. Moses dead, and you're trying to bring him back to life. I want to go to the mountain where Jesus is. I want to go where he is. See, because his words have the power to heal me. His words have the power to take me out of the death, the, the dark situation that I'm in. His words have the power to change my face into one that demonstrates his glory. His words have the power to cast me out of that dark place. How many of you are sick of that dark place? I hate dark places. I hate being amongst the dead. And the Bible says here, he was cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Because this is the religious mindset. We think Jesus comes to make us feel worse. Jesus didn't come to make me feel worse. Jesus came to tell you, you are made in the image and likeness of God. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You are the righteousness of God in me. You are, you are saved. You are sanctified. You are the son and the daughter of God. You are the apple of my eye. I paid a high price for you. So why are you devaluing yourself with other people when you cost such a high price for me? See, because this is grace. Grace is not this cheap grace that you see preached in a lot of, you know, grace is just, you know, that grace is what saves me so then I could do what I want to do with a clean conscience. That's not grace. That's license. That's, that's crazy. Grace empowers me to live the life of dominion that he wants me to live. That's grace. Amen? Amen? So, so he's talking to God and then he says, Jesus cast out the demons, and I want to skip on that, and we go to verse 13. He gave them permission. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what had happened. Why are we preaching this series, Faces of Grace? Because we want to see a face of grace on every single person in this congregation. Because if people in Staten Island begin seeing faces of grace, they're going to want to come to see what kind of message has created such a change in your own life. Because people are sick and tired of churches that talk about love but show no love. That talk about mercy but show no mercy. That talk about compassion but show no compassion. Only a face of grace is what's going to bring Staten Island to its knees. Only a face that when you look at somebody, you see them as God sees them and not as their exterior tells you they are. Face of grace. And so they came. The Bible says, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people came to see what had happened. Verse 15. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind he was sitting there clothed and in his right mind who did that jesus you know what i don't read in that story i don't even see that man repenting i don't see him coming to jesus jesus forgive me for cutting myself with stones 
I don't see him coming to Jesus with tears in his eyes saying, Jesus, I need to be saved and you are my Savior. I repent of all my sins and accept you as my Lord and Savior. I don't see that. All I see is Jesus taking the initiative, Jesus coming to seek and save what was lost, and Jesus restoring this man to the image of God that he had always been. And it says, it says that he was in his right mind. And those who had described it to them, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, verse 17. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Verse 18. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. How do you know someone that's been touched by grace? How would we know the Samaritan woman? How would we know... Um, the, the man at Bethesda. How would we know the centurion servant? Because they would be wanting to be wherever it is that Jesus is. They, they said, Jesus, I don't want to stay here. I want to go with you. This demon, can you imagine us? If we was to see Jesus in, in the natural, wouldn't we want to be wherever he was? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be too difficult to come to church at 4 o'clock. It wouldn't be too difficult to come to church at 4 o'clock in 100-degree weather. Why? Because I want to be where Jesus is. Right? So, so this man, when he was freed, when he was touched by God, the first thing that grace did is it created a worshiper in him. Because this is what grace does. Before grace makes you a preacher, it makes you a worshiper. Before grace makes you a leader, it makes you a worshiper. I have an issue with someone that wants to lead me, but they don't even know how to worship God. That, that's a problem. You got to worship. We got to worship. If he saved us from everything he saved us, how can we not worship? How can we just sit down there and not do what God has called us to do when, 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 when we know what he took us out of? How can I not worship him when I know that daily he forgives me for so much? How can I not lift up my hands when I know that it's, his, it's by his grace that I can even pick up my hands? How can I not say thank you, Jesus, when I know that it's by his grace that I even know the name Jesus? I need him. I'm hungry for him. I'm passionate for him. I know how many times he's had to pick me up. Right? The Bible says, although the just fall seven times, that God will pick him up again. But I've fallen eight times, nine times, ten times. I mean, I don't even know how many times I've fallen. But what I do know is that every time that I've fallen, the only one that was there was Jesus. The only one that picked me up again was Jesus. The only one that keeps giving me a chance is Jesus. So, so when, I, when people see me, I wanted to see someone that's hungry to be with him. I just want to be with him. I don't know if you, you feel what I'm saying. I just want to be with him. Because I don't need a credential to be with him. I don't need a lot of knowledge to be with him. I don't need to know all the songs to be with him. I don't need to even be on the love team to be with him. But I just want to be with him with no strings attached just be with Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, be with Jesus. When I go to sleep at night, just to be with Jesus. My voice is horrible, but I know that when I sing, it moves my God. Why? Because he knows I just want to be with you. I don't need anything from you more than what you've already given me. I just want to be with you. Isn't this what you want, ladies, like a dude that just want to be with you? 
No strings attached, right? Doesn't want your money, doesn't want your house, doesn't want your car. They just want to be with you. But Jesus, I just want to be with you. That's it. You know what? Because when relationships fail, I still got Jesus. When you know that, all of a sudden it frees you up. I was saying at church today, yo, I'm not scared if anybody judges me. I don't care. I don't lose any sleep when people talk about Marquez. I don't care. You can post about me Twitter. I don't care because I know who I'm with. And as long as I know I'm with Jesus, I know what he thinks about me. And as long as he keeps thinking about me what he's thinking about me, then I'm good. I'm chilling. You could keep wasting. I'm good. Keep smiling. Why? Because I got Jesus. This man said, I just want to be with him. But look at the very next verse. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. How do you know a face of grace? Because you see them outside of church. How do you know someone that's been touched by grace? Because you see them in school telling people about Jesus. You see them at work telling people about Jesus. You see them when times are good telling people about Jesus. You see them when times are bad telling people about Jesus. Jesus said, you know what? I love when you worship me. I love when you come to church on Sunday. But I need you to do something for me on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and on Saturday. I want you to build up my kingdom. And the only way to build up my kingdom is to tell people what I've done for you. But someone that feels that they've earned their salvation, they're the worst evangelist. Because people, you can't give people the same method that worked for you. But Jesus, when you tell people about Jesus, that'll move them. When you go to someone and say, look, I was a mess. And I couldn't help myself. I couldn't get out of my own way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You couldn't get out of your own way. Man, I still can't get out of my own way. Like, I'm bow-legged. I don't know if you, like, I don't know which one of the two feet. But they're, like, always in my way. Like, I'm always tripping over myself. I can't get out of my own way. And, and I'm the same way spiritually. But because of his grace, I always make it right where I'm supposed to be. Because that's the thing about grace. He makes all things, say all things. He makes all things to work in my favor. That's what grace is. When you understand grace, God pours out his favor on your behalf. When you understand grace, he pours out the miraculous on your behalf. Why? Because when you understand you don't deserve it is when you get the most of it. When you think you earned it, man, any of you ever got a check that you worked, you hustled, you, you did overtime and everything and and Uncle Tom stood with most of it like, you don't even see that money. They call it gross income. Because it's like, ugh, it's like super gross. I can't stand it. Right? So, so when you get this paycheck and, and you've worked all this time and you're like, ugh. Right? It, ne it never really satisfies you. But when you get something that came by surprise. Like you get some money in the check, you wasn't even expecting it. Right? You don't get paid. Any of you ever get your paycheck 
and you go, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. By your grace, I got these 40 hours at minimum wage. Oh, man, I'm so excited. No one does that. Why? Because you worked for it. You sweat, you sweat for that. But when you get something in the mail that you didn't expect, when you get something, you know, somebody gives you money that, that, that you had forgotten about. Oh, man, I forgot that I owed you this. Here's this. But, but let me give it to you double because, you know, I just feel like doing it. That's grace. That's what grace is. Grace is receiving something unexpectedly. That's grace. That's grace. See, but grace has you do something. And, and if we see verse 9. And he did not permit him. And then verse 20 says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. That was the message. You want, how many of you want to preach one day, possibly? You're crazy. Any other crazy people? I mean, we just want to preach one day. So we're like, you know... I think Rick was sharing with me the other day, you know, we want to sit down and kind of describe how to create a format and things like that. I got one of my students right here, Cynthia, with the red. Everyone say hello, hello. And she actually took this class with me, right? And, and I had to teach them how to create a format and create a sermon. But here, Jesus never sat down with this guy. Jesus never told them, this is how you create an analytical sermon, this is how you create a three-point sermon. This is how you bring people to the altar with tears. Jesus never had time for none of that. All Jesus did was touch him and mark him. And the Bible says he went away and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. In other words, what is the key to winning Staten Island with the message of the radical grace of God? It's simply understanding first how much he has done for me. Look what Jesus has done for me. Look what he's done for my family. Look what he's done for my mindset. Look what he's done for my heart. That alone, if you mean it, will bring people to their knees. If you mean it. If you mean it. Because if you don't mean it, hypocrisy is seen from a mile away. But when you know in your heart, man, the only reason I'm here is because of the grace of God. That carries a power to it. That carries power. Pastor Rowe knows me personally more than I would like. But he, he knows my middle name. Like, who does that? All of y'all like Enrique... Uh, right, but, but he knows me, but he knows my ups and my downs. It's tough. When, when your downs have been really, really down, am I the only one in church this morning that has had some really, really downs? <sighs> Don't they stink? Like, man, I wish I could be up here all the time preaching authority. Yes, hallelujah. I've been down when I didn't want to preach anymore. When I didn't want to speak anymore. When I, when I didn't want this church stuff anymore. When I, I just wanted to do my own thing. Forget about all that. I, I, don't, I don't want none of that anymore. Down. But God's grace has a way of picking you back up again. When you understand the grace of God, it causes you to love Jesus on a whole nother level. On a whole nother level. 
I can tell someone that has understood the grace of God. I can tell. You know how I can tell? The first way, can I tell you just one little way? And I want to see all you do it when I tell you. They smile. Y'all don't got it yet. Them four, they got it. Yo, the grace of God will make you smile. And doesn't smiling feel so much better than frowning? I'm trying to bring this on a practical level. I mean, I don't know why. I don't, deepness sometimes, it, it just gets me bored. Uh, like sometimes we got to be practical with it. If you understand the grace of God, smile a little bit. It might bring you that person you're waiting for. And if you ever go to a church and they're like, you know, I'm going to teach you about the love of God. Come to my church and you will experience the joy of the Lord. Like, I don't want to go there. You're not even smiling, dude. You got no Jesus that I want. Smile. You know what else? You're, 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 you're more compassionate with others. I can't imagine this demon-possessed man going back to the Decapolis judging people. Can you imagine him going back there talking about you? You're not good enough for Jesus. You're eliminated. You, you're not dressed apart. You're eliminated. You, you don't even fast or pray. You're eliminated. You, you didn't tie for three weeks. You're gone. And we're scratching. I couldn't imagine him doing that. When he went there and he started preaching, all he could say was, I was possessed. I was forgotten. I was in a dead place. Nobody would have guessed that I am who I used to be. But by the grace of God, I am who I am. By the grace of God, I am here standing before you today. That was his message, plain and simple, but it was powerful. Why was it powerful? Because it came out of his heart. There's a story that only you can tell. And no one can tell it exactly like you. It's your story. Share that story with the world. All of you here, everyone here, boom, boom, boom. You can invite one person. It's not difficult to do. Invite one person. One person. That's it, just one person. But when you invite them, smile. They'll come if you smile, I'm telling you. Just smile. Just smile. And share with them what God has done in your life. Bring them to Jesus, and then they'll come to church. Don't try to bring them to church so that the church can bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. All of you have what the world needs to hear. Share your message. What is it that we need to know about grace? And the worship team can help me. What is it that we must know about grace? Number one, grace seeks. Grace seeks you. Amen? Grace is more than just leniency and unconditional acceptance. Divine grace is God's relentless and loving pursuit of his enemies who are unthankful, unworthy, and unlovable. Say, God sought me. Say, he was seeking me. Come on, tell the person next to you, he was seeking me. When you know how much Jesus did in order to find you, that alone will overflow in an abundance of gratitude. Number two, grace heals what the law cuts. Grace heals what the law cuts. Maybe there was a church that cut you. 
because they judge you for what you wore. They judge you for the decision you made. They judge you for being anything less than perfect, even though they themselves were less than perfect. But you've come to the right church because this is the church that's going to heal you by telling you exactly what Jesus thinks about you. Grace heals. And number three, grace releases purpose. Grace releases purpose. The meaning of life, the wasted years of life, the poor choices of life, God answers with one word, grace. grace and you know who's qualified this morning for his grace for this afternoon for his grace you and me and everyone else up in here oh but you don't know Pastor Marquez some of the things I've done <laughs> you don't know some of the things I've done some of you are like no no I'm serious no no I'm serious too it's only by his grace that I'm here. Simply. Like I'm not even playing with y'all trying to get y'all to come to. No. It's only because of his grace that I'm here. And it's only by his grace that you're here. And it's only by his grace that we will remain here. Can we all close our eyes at the moment? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.